Hi again, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by magicofairy.com. We have another special episode for you this week. This is audio from a panel I was on at PenguaCon called Humor in Science Fiction and Fantasy. Joining me on the panel are author Jim C. Hines of the Goblin Quest and Princess series, and Brian Briggs of the geek humor website bbspot.com. I recorded this with my portable audio recorder, so the quality may not be as good as normal Magic of Airy episodes. I apologize in advance if you have difficulty hearing anything. To learn more about Magic of Airy, visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at danieljhogan, or you can follow the podcast at MOE Podcast. Come back next Wednesday for a brand new Magic of Airy episode, Flight of the Griffin. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Yeah, this is the first time I've moderated, so. So he needs feedback. Feedback, yeah. Loud, angry feedback. Yeah, see, <laughs> already. It's funny, it is. Working oh, and exactly. now it's being recorded. Yep. No more pressure. Sure. We've got these little BB sized mints up here. And, and you know, Dan has a radio show. So any anything you misspeak, oh. the entire Lansing listening area. Yeah. I'm in trouble. Yes, quite the audience in China for some reason. Podcast, I... Maybe Lansing translates to something in Chinese. So. No, no, it's, it's, it's the Magic of Airy podcast. Oh, that I love podcast. it in China for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe I see you need that big in China show. Yeah. We're getting more. We're getting more. might just be spammers. Well, I don't know if that's good or bad, so. <laughs> Check. Yeah, it looks good. Oh, I didn't get a table ten. You didn't? It didn't give you a. It was in your. No. She even got a penguin on it. You got a folder. I got a folder. They didn't, they didn't give me one. <laughs> you sure? You didn't, it was like he's the moderator. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, just no respect already. You can tell. Sometimes moderator is really cool because if you get on one of those panels where okay, what am I doing here? I don't know this stuff. I'll moderate. And we will direct all questions to these guys. Yeah. I think that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's today. very insightful and very complex. And Dan will tell you all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think you've done that to me a few times. I think you've done that to me a few times. Or someone has, anyway. I, I moderated this last year. That's right. That was exactly what I was doing. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, you guys are really funny. I can't keep up. John Scalzi, go. <laughs> I saw him walking around. Where is he? He's here. Okay. Ah. John is taking a sabbatical from panels this year. Okay. Oh. He is doing convention by Barsi. In fact, when I showed up at PenguinCon, I could have sworn he had not left the seat in the bar that he was at from confusion. I think he just stayed there. <laughs> So first, can everybody hear us, or in the back? I don't know. There's a mic here, but... Um, oh, they, they can't get the mic to work? Hello? Hello? There's a switch. It doesn't. It's not labeled whether it's on or off. It's just, it's just here to torment me. <laughs> Every time I flick it, somebody in China dies or something. <laughs> What's going on? You're, you're taking away <laughs> the <laughs> Oh, sorry. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. 
Well, in that case, you are allowed to move up. Yeah. So there, please. there are seats in the front. This is yeah. not a Gallagher show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although we do. Yeah, it could be. Could be. We do reserve the right to do that. We do? Yeah. Well, oh, cool. That's a niche thing we could do for panels, you know. Smashing penguins. This may or may not be a Gallagher show. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's 2 o'clock and they've shut the doors. So, yeah. so I guess we can start with introductions. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jim Hines. I write books. This is the one that comes out in July, which I'm excited about because it's the one that comes out in July. Um, the other books don't care about. <laughs> the, the more humorous series I wrote was the Goblin Quest trilogy, which was uh, three books about a little goblin underdog runt. He's nearsighted. He has a pet spider who sets things on fire. It was basically just me being goofy. Da, 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 da. What should I do in this scene? I don't know. Nose-picking injury, because they're goblins. You're going to ruin it for me. I just started. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> and I've now spoiled the book, and nobody will buy it. And I'll go out of print, and it will be very sad. So who are you? Uh, me, I'm Brian Briggs. I run the geek humor website, bbspot.com. I also wrote a book. Wrote a book. Uh, this is my book that most recently came out and since it's my only book uh, this is the one to buy that's the, the book of geek it's got a, a bunch of 128 topics of geek wisdom and, and humor in there so <laughs> it's part of the humor in here guys <laughs> fart jokes and things like that so so the pages aren't hexadecimal for you know geek consumption but um, and no uh, my name's Daniel Hogan. I do the Magic of Very podcast. It's a fantasy, you know, satire, spoof stuff based on the novel I wrote as well. And I'm also the co-host of an internet talk show called Lansing Next, where it just focuses on stuff around Lansing area. But I kind of, kind of the comic relief for that as well. I do freelance writing. And he's big in China. And I'm big in China for some <laughs> according to my web data. Everyone's big in China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually had the privilege of being a guest on his show. That's right. He's surprisingly funny. He, he talks about laundromat food and so laundromat <laughs> underwear came me, up at one point. Yeah, this laundromat by me, they get you know uh, food that Kroger can't sell. I mean, it's perfectly fine, but it's like you know two days from the best buy date or something, and so they're like, here, take it. And so sometimes I go home with a loaf of bread, and I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> it's laundromat food. All <laughs> <laughs> right. So, humor and sci-fi. Is it harder in sci-fi than other genres, or sci-fi and fantasy than other genres, or is humor just hard in general? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> if you had given me ten more seconds, I could have done a brilliant pun about hard, sci hard science fiction. <laughs> so pretend I was funny. <laughs> Laugh, cue laughter. Yeah, I can I, I can fix it in post, Jim. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Edit that in. Yeah. No, I don't think it's necessarily harder. Um, humor in general is hard. It is, and it's like anything else. If you're if you're able to do it well, it's going to look easy, mm -hmm. right? And then nobody will respect it. It's the danger field thing. Yeah, I I actually for I very rarely do awards campaigning. But this year for the Hugos, I did do some campaigning for my Muppet Werewolf story. Because, damn it, I did, yes, I wanted to win. 
But I wanted to see something funny on the ballot. Yeah. I mean, is there I mean, ever anything funny on the ballot? Well, or? Terry Pratchett, because he's Terry well, Pratchett. Yeah, yeah, but Terry Pratchett doesn't. But it's that whole, oh, it's humor. So, well, it's not as important. It's not as good. It's not as difficult. Not and as serious. Damn it, it is. Yeah. Because not only am I telling this fantasy story that I have to tell an exciting story that hopefully you will enjoy and get into, I also need to write it so that it's funny in such a way that you'll appreciate the humor, you'll get the jokes, or worst case scenario, if I absolutely bomb and you don't care for nose-picking injuries, no. you'll still enjoy the story. Right. That there will still be something to pull you through. And and no, that's not easy. It's hard, and you should all go out and buy it because you should be supporting the others. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree that... Um, not always easy to write humor. Like when I started doing the talk show, my co-host was concerned with us not being funny enough. She's like, "We need to be funny." Like even on air, she would send me instant messages for a couple episodes. <laughs> They've each got their laptops yeah. set up in it's, the middle of very, the show. It's very cool. They're not and being funny. Yeah, no. It's like, like I don't think we're funny enough. And I told her, I was like, "We can't try to be funny because if we try too hard, people can tell, and that's when you're not funny." You Quick, kind of make a Batman joke. Yeah, exactly. I do plenty of those on the show. Batman makes everything funny. Yes. Yeah. Ask David Willis. He's here. <laughs> David Willis is Batman. David Willis is Batman. He's a webcomic artist who does short act. That's right. Bat- and one of his... Pre- I'm sorry, I'm stealing the panel. One of his premises is that Batman makes everything funny. You know, give me a topic. And in his comic, somebody says gardening. And the next panel is Batman gardening. <laughs> said, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's good. I'll have to check that. <laughs> Batman will feature heavily in my next book. Good. <laughs> you, you've got that right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Talia dons the cape and cowl. There you go. I like it. <laughs> so you think it's easier in science fiction or fantasy? Science fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Fantasy's just better. Yeah, fantasy's better in general, but because well, I think I think like the themes in science fiction make it harder because they're trying to be serious and. And future, futuristic well, themes. Science and... fiction. One of the things I, I think there's more humor in fantasy. If yeah. you're doing it in science fiction, the first thing you run into is, oh, you're trying to be Douglas Adams, right? Right. Ooh. Yeah, it's Douglas Adams and was brilliant. Robert Asprin did science fiction humor. He had his Fools series, which was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it can be done. Um, I don't think we see as much of it and I don't know if that's because it's harder or just most science fiction people have no sense of humor (laughs) do you think maybe it's because with the sci-fi stuff even like Futurama they do a lot of like there's you see some of the the math side or the science side of it too whereas you know if you're reading uh, fantasy comedy stuff they don't really have to worry about that end of it I mean well, you've now uncovered my secret. I write fantasy because I suck at science. Yeah, well, that's, that's a thing um, here. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Jump in anytime with questions if you got them. Maybe in science, you have premises that say there's science, there's reality, you know, some realism to it. And in fantasy, you have the openness of, of making things that aren't really sensical in place. And right. so that True. lends itself well to humor. Yeah, there's a little more freedom for the absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can you can have talking. Because yeah, magic will do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas. Yeah, I tried to do a George science fiction story one time. It was really short. And it was about this guy in his basement was trying to build a device that would go into the future. 
The only problem is he could only see two hours ahead. Why? Because the machine that he had built basically blew his fuse box. I feel I like that. Phil, that's it. Nine minutes in the, <laughs> nine minutes in the panel, we're stumped. So. You know, most um, science fiction humor, I've seen her attempts at it. The problem is they try to use the science fiction for the humor, and it comes off as hokey, where it doesn't matter, other things. It's in a science fiction setting, but that's not the source of the humor. Yeah, yeah. And I think you've got to do that in general. You have to have that story there too, and it has to be set up in such a way that the story by itself will pull people along. The humor is there as it's like laying down two different tracks instead of all one. I've lost myself with my metaphor. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. There's lots of satire and parodies of, of sci-fi more than there is actual yeah. sci-fi humor, humor. Is let's make fun of Star Trek. Yeah, or yeah, Star, Star Wars, Wars or or whatever. Until Star Wars started making fun of itself. Like Red Dwarf, with that's even if you took all those characters out of the Red Dwarf, it's still funny because of how they're interacting with each other. You have Bremer who's super. Uptight, you've got the character, yeah, and you have Mister who's a slob, and that's funny in itself because how they interact. And you have stories, yeah. yeah, and they might be ridiculous, but they are their stories, and they are yeah. interesting. Yeah, like the one where they. They mess up the JFK assassination. That's hilarious. That's a great episode. Yeah. That's a great episode. I need to watch the last season. Yeah, it's brilliant. From the crash and all. Is that with your time machine? Yeah, yeah, because they go back in yeah. time and they they're looking for a, a place to get curry and they land in Dallas. Assassination and knock Lee Harvey Oswald out of the window. And. Uh, JFK only gets injured, and because of that, um, the long short of it is uh, um, the Bay of Pigs never happens or whatever, and uh, the Russians set missile bases in Cuba, and so everyone's freaking out in the country, and because of that, the U.S. doesn't win the space race, and Red Dwarf doesn't get built, um, and they can't go back home. <laughs> so they have to kill JFK. <laughs> so yeah, you've got a, a valid, a traditional but valid science fiction time travel story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one that we've all read before, yeah. but it's, it gets done a lot because it's a fun story. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, is that sort of brings up like Red Dwarf and TV and movies. Is it easier for them to do humor in those different mediums than it is to write in books? Easier to do it visually. They should do it visually, yeah. Or even just like serialize with shorter. You have a twenty-minute episode versus like a three hundred-page book. Right. Well, there are novelizations out for the Red Dwarf. Yeah, I've read them. They're good too. Are they they funny? Yeah, they hold up. It is. It is different. Yeah, Yeah, it is. But it's the same as you know the difference between writing a book and writing a movie. You know, you've got all of the visual to rely on. Mm-hmm. A good comic actor can get you to crack up without saying a word. Just mm-hmm. facial expressions and body language. Yeah, harder to do that in a book. <laughs> yeah, character six. And that's what a lot of yeah. That's when you read the Red Dwarf books versus watching the show. A lot of it is like you know, you have Rimmer's expressions or how Crichton interacts with things, his mannerisms, and all that. And you don't really get much of that in the book. No. But, um, so I think maybe visually. It is easier in that way, I guess. So we need to start writing books with lots of pictures. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. We should start. (laughs) I wonder if anybody's thought of that. So so to my mind, actually, some of the best humor in science fiction isn't where you think of the book as this funny book, Mm -hmm. but that the author gets you into a certain point, and then there's scenes that are just hysterical. 
Mm-hmm. But don't really detract. Like, it's it's like the book itself can actually be very serious. Right. But there can be scenes. humor in it. Yeah. Like yes. in Scalzi's Man's War. I mean, that has some pretty hilarious scenes in it, but it's not... Peter no. David. Yeah. I, I, it blows me away how well he can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and he'll, even in a Star Trek novel, he'll write one scene that is good enough that, you know, I, I'm sitting here, I'm almost in tears over Riker and Troy. Oh. It, holy crap. You should get a Hugo just for that. And then you turn the page... Well, and I don't know what came after that page, so I'll jump to his book about the Borg. And he introduces this, this scene with the Borg and ends the scene with a line that this is the funniest crap I've ever read. And it's, it's the end of a battle with the Borg. And it just works really, really well. It gives a much wider range to the story, and it's, it's real. You know, people crack jokes. We are, we are funny. Some of us more than others, but this is what we do. And when you read a book that never has that, nobody smiles, nobody laughs, nobody jokes, mm-hmm. it's missing something. Yeah. It's incomplete. Because that is a part of life. I mean, there is humor in everything, more or less. I mean, that's just how, pe- that's how people deal with a lot of stuff. Is, you know, they, they don't necessarily have to tell like, you know, big jokes, but just like little you know, digs at people. Or little, like I'm reading the book Ariel right now for the first time, and that's supposed to talk to the big, you know, fantasy book but there's a lot of hilarious stuff in there it's, it's a guy and his unicorn and they have this back and forth <laughs> bickering and you're like this is hilarious but it's a guy and his unicorn you know you wouldn't but it's not like a funny it's not you know labeled as a, as a humorous book is the guy Neil Patrick Harris no I wish yeah yeah the question right 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 yes yes It's, it's even more likely. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Is, okay, I am scared to death. I could either soil myself or I could crack a joke. I'm going to try and crack a joke. <laughs> For, you know. Yeah, and that's, it's what we do. And that, that's actually my favorite kind of humor is that less, not so much the situational, but where it's coming from the characters. Yeah. You know, where it's the banter, where it's just their bizarre comments or observations or just. I need one moment to break the tension before we go into certain death. <laughs> yeah. yes. you, you had something? I was going to say, uh, a lot of people I think that want to write science fiction uh, tend to come from that science uh, left brain sort of thing, and left brain that doesn't uh, yeah. lend itself as much to humor. Like, uh, mm-hmm. they had to make sure he wasn't in here, but a friend of mine has <laughs> done a stand-up comedy and he did slide roll, slide roll jokes. Just, it did not work. Most people's funny uh, bone. He should do that here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He should just run a room and be great. But back to like the slide roll jokes. Slide roll jokes. But back to like the, the banter thing. Since I started you know, adapting my novels to podcasts where I'm having to do some of the voice acting for the characters in some situations I'm doing both characters in the scene so I'm kind of talking back and forth to myself but um, that's where a lot of the humor comes out of that better than the audio version versus the text because it's 
you get the emotion in the voice and uh, we can't more direct interaction. You know, that's kind of stuff. It's fun. Good. I actually I wanted to follow up. Okay. Yeah. The slide the slide reel thing. It would have worked if Batman had been doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's true. Sorry. No, okay. You, you had a question. Well, you've talked about how uh, without humor it can seem incomplete. Do you ever worry about uh, going the opposite direction, which your character finds something funny? Like, we'll find inappropriate moments funny, things we should not laugh at, your character laughs at. Do you worry about stepping out of the suspension of disbelief and going into this where even your characters don't take your story seriously? Where they sort of like comic they, relief rather than you know they take the they take the story very seriously. Um, there, there is still an awareness that we are outnumbered four to one, and we are. If we walk away from this, we're going to be limping. Um, the goblins, the goblin books. Jig, the protagonist, did not find anything funny, ever. He hated the crap that I dragged him through, but. Everyone reading and watching, you know, and his banter, he banters with his god, you know, and it's a god who has nothing better to do than chat with goblins. So it's not the greatest divine help to have on your side. He's, he will be sitting there screaming at the god, what do I do, what do I do, um, um, try this, and Jig does it, and it's like, great, what do I do next? And the god says, I don't know, I didn't expect you to survive that. (laughs) Yes, to you it's funny. <laughs> to Jig, he just gets angrier. He's, why do why do I get the defective god? <laughs> Here, let me throw my spider at it. Maybe that'll. But it, yeah, it's it's the difference between. You know, sometimes it's we know that it's funny, but the character, no, it's not going to be funny to them because they are scared. Um, in the princesses, where I'm being a little more realistic and a little. It, there are still funny moments, but it's not as focused on that. Um, there's banter, um, and there are times when, you know, the characters are, they get into that moment of, oh, God, I can feel myself starting to laugh, and it's totally inappropriate because it's a funeral. Uh, or, I, I do this. When I get into a fight with my wife, there is a part of me that wants to laugh. Mm-hmm. Not laughing at her, not la- just tension. Mm-hmm. And you get that, or you get this great head. joke in your head, and you're going, "Oh, I really shouldn't say this, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so funny. I gotta let it out." But yeah, I think part of the no. part of what you need to remember as the writer, like you said, is that even as they're bantering, they're still taking this seriously. You know, even as Buffy and the Scoobies are getting ready to fight this thing, they're joking, but underneath it, you know that they're scared. You recognize that they're taking this seriously, and they know that what the stakes are. If you lose that, I think, yes, you will break the story. So don't lose that. And, and it's good to have, like, like Magic of Area has some very funny parts, but also has some very serious parts. Like, there's, because of uh, some of the decisions the main character, Steve, makes, like, decides not to go to a place where he was totally should, and because of that, it results in a village being burned to the ground. And, you know, so there's very serious things, but then... That's what I say. That's that's not the funny part. That's not the funny part. No, but the funny part about the village being burned down is uh, he starts just becomes a running gag. He goes to places where either he may not have always caused it, but it gets destroyed right after. So he gets this title of Steve Destroyer of Cities, 
and which I kind of borrowed from Mystery Science Theater with Mike Nelson blowing up planets, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but that's how you take a very serious thing, but then you kind of make fun of it too, and uh, you kind of have to have both, I think, the balance of both. Like well. chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they go great together. So, what about um, authors not putting humor in their books because they can't sell it to publishers? Is that a problem? An issue? Publishers don't want humor books, or they don't get humor books in sci-fi, or they're looking for... I still don't know. If you look at the print runs and the sales figure for the Goblin books, it I could say you know, my numbers would be higher if it wasn't humor, but humor doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. Or it could be this was a brand new trilogy by some guy nobody had ever heard of. Right. You know, there, there are humorous books out there. There are humorous mm-hmm. short stories out there. You know, I got, I did just get an anthology invite that said, "Do not be funny." Oh, so yeah, uh, so, so there's. Yeah. But I've also had short story projects and stuff where, you know, what Esther Friesner, you know, she's doing her suburban fantasy series mm-hmm. right now, and it is totally a a play on urban fantasy, except we're doing it in the suburbs. <laughs> you know, just, Great, Muppet Werewolves on Sesame Street. Thank you. I'll write that, uh, and it's. It can be sold. I don't yeah. know that it's ever going to be as popular as the latest sexy vampire romance paranormal yeah. thriller. Right. So, so that may, might but, make it harder. It's sort of yeah, a, it, another step to get getting means, started. It means I go to the bar, hang out with the other people, and simmer in my envy. <laughs> yeah. But my books do sell. Yeah. Maybe not as well, but I'm trying to be okay with that. Yeah. So the question is, is, is there less humor in, in these books because... Publishers don't want them, or there's fewer people that can actually do humor well. I like that second answer better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's true. Yeah. Uh, well, I, have, I think one of the okay. problems with humor is that, I mean, what I found is that certain kinds of things are much more translatable than others, and humor is one of the yeah. most translatable. In other words, what was hysterical to what? It's so culture-dependent normally that it's very hard sometimes to understand why that was hysterically funny. I remember the first time I showed my wife Red Dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, yeah, cat has a (laughs) yo-yo. Yeah, mystery science theater. Yeah, yeah. Well, things like Jim, do you run into that because you've had your books translated, like as far as like the jokes transferring over to other languages? The thing is, I can't read to see how they've done it. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a word for nose-picking injury. In this language. <laughs> you know, they, they don't, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah they've, the goblins have been translated into five other languages yeah. so far. They are huge in Germany. Big in Germany. For some reason. Big in China. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, yeah, things like Jig getting into this bad situation and he's stuck with humans and he's going, goblins don't have good enough curses. What is it that humans say? All right, oh, dumb. And he spends the whole time swearing wrong, going around saying dumb. I don't know how that translates. I don't know what they did with that. I'll see back man. Well, one of the problems is I think that it's hard to strike a balance. I don't know if you, I just came in, so I don't know if you mentioned this before, but it's easy to overdo humor. Yeah, but I, I think what it is is you, you, you use it to add sort of a jolt, 
something that it, it keeps things from being entirely linear and, and makes people, brings people around to looking at the material in a slightly different way. Yeah, definitely. So uh, you know, you're reading along and you're in a certain mindset, and then that humor bumps you out of the rut and makes you realize you're on a slightly different track. Yeah. Back to what we were talking about, like people like having uh, not being able to sell books with humor or whatever. Yeah. However you phrased it, like I've had a lot of people come up to me and say they liked that my fantasy book had humor in it. It mm-hmm. was funny, and it's probably why it's, you know it's done as okay as it has done, even though self-published it, but whatever. But um, but part of it is I just like writing stories with humor in it anyway. I think I'm better at it than I was writing straight fiction because I've tried to do that a few times and I just kind of get bored with it. Whereas when I started throwing jokes in or focusing on, okay, these characters don't like each other, let's have some funny back and forth banter or, you know, let's have a weird situation here. That's when I really felt (coughs) I was writing better material. You need to be true to your inner smartass. Right, exactly. And I'm a smartass. Yeah. As you know. So sort of along the lines with what he just mentioned, too, um, you know, how useful of a tool is humor in books, or, or what can you do with humor in your books? You can do a lot of stuff with humor in your books. Um, you can, you know, as we said before, it's good for balance in the story. You know, you, you can have your, like, drama, like, people dying or whatever, but then you can have the lighter moments to kind of balance it out so it's not all... I want to my five bucks back. Right. <laughs> What's that? Or, or imagine... Like saying how to make fun of like somebody dying and saying, uh, Oh, yeah. That guy will be five bucks. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Imagine two deathbed scenes. Yeah. We've got two close friends. Uh, one of them is dying. In one scene, yeah. the friend who was there trying to be comforting is just broken up and trying to hold it in but just you know she's crying holding the hand da 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 uh, I'm writing all the princess books so I've, all of my sample characters are female these days so one character very serious very you know I, I'm here for you I'm right here same scene same character there holding this dying woman's hand joking trying to think up jokes in order to help this person smile who has maybe ten minutes of life left which of these has more of an emotional impact? You know, the one where you're showing the, the tears and the grief or the ones where you're showing them trying to hold that back with humor. Um, and I could be completely off base, but for me, the second one would rip my heart out so much better. Yeah, because you see that connection between the characters so much better because you know that... And and you can still make them laugh. And you can feel what they're trying to do. Right. And you can feel they are fighting to hold this back. And it's, yes, I am ripped apart inside, but I don't want that to be your last last ten minutes on this planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was depressing. (laughs) When somebody's going down, they don't need a downer. Yeah, exactly. And on a high note. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Well, there's kind of along the line. I know exactly what you're about. My grandma was in the hospital died. Mm-hmm. She said she had a dream and she saw my grandpa. Oh, wow. And we're all sitting around waiting to see what, what he said. And then she said, he told her, hurry up, slow as she ever was. My grandmother uh, at her funeral, the hearse 
they, everybody got out of the hearse. They locked her in the coffin in the hearse. So we spent the next hour trying to get locksmiths until finally my brother pounded the windshield in with a hammer. And it was one of those things that this could be completely tragic for... Then my father says, you know, she never goes anywhere on time. <laughs> um, yeah. It sounds like a sitcom episode. I put it into a book. <laughs> it sounds like a Cohen Brothers And it's not, it's not that we didn't love her. It's not that we weren't sad. It's... Yeah, this is... A way to appreciate it. We'll all look back at this in all life. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's a way to bond with... Yes, that is who she was. This is totally who she was. And, she, you know, depending on what you believe... She's got to be just amused by this. <laughs> um, I guess so, so one thing is, is how do you know that the stuff that you're writing is, is funny? I mean, do, do you try it out with, with people? Maybe they don't have the same sense of humor as a, your audience member. Do what, what do you do, Jim, to make sure your stuff is funny rather than do you just trust your own sense, you know? <laughs> um, no. Um, first draft, I just throw stuff in the best I can. Mm -hmm. Reading through the second time, I take out anything where I can tell that I was trying to be funny. Okay. Where where I can feel either I'm trying too hard or I'm breaking out of the story in order to get this punchline. Yeah, you, you, you sort of... And then beyond that, I mean, if it's a short story, I'll give it to somebody to read and mm -hmm. sit there watching their reaction. <laughs> what page are you reading? You're not... Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's the death scene. What's wrong with you? You laughing. Um, with longer stuff, I just, I just have to trust myself. Trust yourself. And some of the jokes are not going to work for everybody, but some of the things I, I still get emails from people saying that Lord of the Rings reference in Goblin Quest was just brilliant. All of these other there was a story here, and everybody likes the Frodo joke. Yeah. Okay. So, so does, but, does your editor give you feedback on that sort of thing, or no? It's irritating. <laughs> well, the reason why it's called a sense of humor, you have to be kind of aware, and uh, it's not always an easy sense to, to maintain. But there are times when you can tell when it's tingling and when it's not. And it it does take practice too. I mean, you need to try it. You need. Mm -hmm. I've been. I can think back to like middle school, junior high, I would write these one-page stories designed to make people laugh and hand yeah, them out in class. And they were bad. I still do that. They were... <laughs> I mean, they, they made Mel Brooks yeah, look like high-concept art. Yeah. But over time, you know, giving this stuff out, watching people's reactions, getting feedback, I started to learn, this is what works better, and this doesn't, and I should stop doing it because I'm embarrassing myself. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing with, with, with my stuff where I publish on the web. I get, I get that instant feedback of whether something's funny or not, but I like to run it by my friends first to see, see if they think this funny. I mean, I think it's funny because I'm, I'm writing it, but, you know, maybe the joke is lost on, on other people. But sometimes even when they say they don't get it, I still publish it because I, I thought it was what funny. They know. Yeah, what are they? There's <laughs> one joke or reference that's going to make everyone in an audience laugh. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the Batman. Yeah, well, well except, for except for Batman. <laughs> uh, he didn't laugh back there, so I think. That... <laughs> well, I'll escort him out of panel. Well, it, it's kind of like you know, back to something like you know, Mystery Science Theater. 
a lot of their humor was very hit or miss, but some of it was like brilliant. Yeah, well, you, you'd have to know all the references right. to. But and, but if you know but if you only stuff, get every third right. joke, it's still hilarious. Yeah. yeah, major league. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. As far as like what I do with mine, um, like I'm like Jim too. Like first draft, I don't focus. I just kind of get stuff down and tweak it later. And um, after that, it's. You know, like he said, you have a sense about it. Some, if I feel like, yeah, this is funny, I stick with it. But if I'm second guessing it, then I just get rid of it, or I rewrite it, or try something different. And um, yes. So you know, in real life, every sort of occupation subculture has its own <coughs> humor that's right. related mm-hmm. to the special knowledge that it takes to be a geek in that particular area. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to have that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, so, some of my stuff. I mean, I've written jokes on PHP and, and things like that. And, you know, I wouldn't get that at all. And for for my wife, everything she says, she says, I don't even bother going to your site anymore. I, you know, I I don't get any of it. So why why bother? Um, but but I mean, there's, there's probably you know, with the internet, there's an audience big enough for right. just about every sub culture sub genre. That's and, a good thing about the internet is you can have sites. You know, like Brian's that folks on that. You can have, you know, wacky podcasts like mine because people are, there's enough people out there that are looking for things. The internet makes it easy to find. Man, I really want jokes about PHP and HTML. Oh, well, <laughs> a site that, that does it, you know. And, yeah. You know, it, but but you, you, I do know that, you know, some people just aren't going to get it. And right. I actually get that from, from some people that email and say, you know, I, I don't get most of your stuff, but I like it. I'm like, <laughs> okay, great. You know, but why do you come to the site if you don't get it? Why, why, some of us add humor to our writings because we can't not add humor to our right. writings. Yeah. Even as a technical writer, I still find myself adding traces of humor. Yeah, I get it, it, it's it's You got you got to inject a little something to make them. Yeah, like to I make I, it uh, uh, more substantial. I do freelance writing, like I do restaurant reviews for examiner.com, but I throw jokes in there all the time. Like I did a review on a cheeseburger at a place called The Nightcap, and at the end of the article I had the video from the Knights of Roundtable song from Holy Grail, just for like, because I could, you know, why not? And, <laughs> and I'll throw in little jokes and try to make it funny, because, you know, writing restaurant reviews can be kind of dry sometimes, okay. so I did, try to have fun with it. Did you title it? You can has cheeseburgers. Yes, I, did. <laughs> <laughs> I did on the, uh, the Facebook link to it, not on the actual yeah, art. The editor changed it. No, there's nothing on the Talking about geek humor in other contexts, yeah. um, a couple of weeks back, I, I do karate a couple of times a week, and I'm learning. And basically, I screwed something up big time, and I failed my dex check on that. <laughs> Most of the people around me. Yeah. What is he talking about? Yeah. And then there was Casey. Oh my God. You have to come over and talk to this guy. You do. And it, it wasn't so much that it was funny. It was it was our secret code that we yeah. had now identified each other. <laughs> We're part of the same team. Yes. <laughs> and yes, everybody else there now thinks I'm a freak. But that's true. I'm getting yeah. my brown belt and I'll their ass. <laughs> and that's kind of like with the talk show I do. I bring that to the table because my co-host, she, she likes to say, you know, we travel in different circles. So I have my sense of humor, like the geeky, you know, comic book, movie stuff, and she has her sense of humor, which is 
very different, but because of that, you know, it, it makes for fun. You know, as Jim knows, he was on the show. It makes for fun conversation because we're not making jokes about the same stuff all the time. She'll make jokes about Glee, and then I'll make jokes about Batman and how much I hate Glee, and you know, whatever. <laughs> Sometimes almost even worse in reverse. I mean, we take something like XKCD, right. which is written as humor, mm -hmm. but still changes the world. Yeah. Stuff. You know, things he comes up with uh, as, as a joke mm -hmm. actually all of a sudden turn out to be real. Yeah, I actually I wrote a story on that where he, the, there was an XKD CD comic where he told everyone to like jump off a cliff or something, and then everyone did that. And so I was thinking even more of where he. <laughs> well, that that was the, the that, that didn't actually happen, that folks. That was that was the joke. The yeah. internet practically and the researchers looked at it and said that works. Yeah. I love this one about the uh, proximity to a cat and you're dropping yeah. your intelligence. <laughs> yeah. That's like the favorite one I've seen. <laughs> and, and it made the whole day bearable. So hearing your story, I instantly think of that. You're like me, we're from a common experience. And, and so it, so it can lend a sense, humor can lend a sense of realism. I think a lot of people think, oh, if I crack a joke, it's so unrealistic. Or if I have this happening, it's so unrealistic. But I think it can make realism. And also, it can make a sense of, I'm in the club. I got that. There's a connection there. Yeah, I, I yeah, get that. Speak your language. Right. Yeah. yeah. If I if I say I'm not dead yet, that <laughs> <laughs> just as long as we're doing funeral humor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turn into a funeral humor show. Would not necessarily show. recommend that at a funeral. But, but yeah, it depends. Well, as not hiding for the it's it's that connections and there's I think what you were saying too. There's also the fear if I write a joke in this scene. I lose all of the emotion. Nobody will take it seriously. They won't feel it anymore. Like, yeah, unless you do it really badly, we will. And we'll feel it more. No. My question is, um, most humor comes in very small snippets. You know, it's either a quick joke or a movie maybe an hour and a half. I think stage one is more than Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, I think you don't have to be funny for 400 pages if you're funny for. Yeah, you should have stopped at 300. No. <laughs> if you're every three pages or, or whatever, I don't think you. Because it's probably hard to sustain a story if it's just. Yeah. It's a joke book then, not a. Not a novel, right. you know. If you're if you're trying to be funny, what, what but, I mean, it, yeah, it's not every page. Mm -hmm. And also, the Goblin books, it comes out to about a thousand pages. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes back to where is the humor coming from? Mm -hmm. And in in the case of what I'm working on uh, with the Goblins, so much of it comes from the characters. 
They are going to continue to be entertaining, at least to me, and funny, just by virtue of who they are and what they are. You know, because these are characters who, oh, um, here's an interesting panel. Um, I want to eat the one in the middle, <laughs> because this is how they see the world. And it's that mindset, it's just who they are, <laughs> and that works, that sustains <laughs> Well, that's it, I think, is that the right application of humor can create a framework, and then even when you plug serious stuff into that framework, it's, you're still coming at it from a particular angle, and people can see that and feel it. Yeah, and it, it's that unexpected. It's, I just came out of the writing the other panel, and this goblins are very other, because they don't understand honor, they don't understand courage, they understand, one, I do whatever it takes to stay alive, two, we are at the bottom of the food chain, and we know it, and three, I'm hungry. That, and that basis right there provided three books. You know, no, I don't care about rescuing the princess, but if it's a situation between you, know, you will kill me or I will go out and do this, then yes, I will go out and do this until you look away. And then I will stab you in the back because, you know, that's safer than stabbing you in the front. And it, that whole mindset... Every situation, they're looking at it differently. Their reaction is going to be different. And as long as I stay in that in that mindset, it's it's entertaining to me. Hopefully, to other people. Do you attempt to appeal to different audiences with different types of humor? I mean, I know you talked about the radio show where you've got the two different kinds of humor. Mm -hmm. um, Aladdin is one of my other favorite examples of it, where. I went, but when I was a kid with my dad, and my dad got a whole bunch of jokes that I didn't, but I still mm -hmm. thought it was a hilarious movie. Mm -hmm. Is there any of that in your writing? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do some of that. Like, there's some jokes in uh, Magic of Aerie and the book I'm working on now as well, where a younger reader won't get it. Like, they won't get all the subtext, but they get they get the face value of it. It's funny, but like an adult or someone, you know, whatever... They're like, oh, I, I really get what's going on here between the lines stuff. And I like writing those kind of <coughs> jokes where if you look at it from one angle, it's, oh, it's this. But then if you know more than what's going on, like, oh, it's even better. Like, that's, that's a lot of, you know, I, I like doing those kind of, you know, hidden jokes like that. Mm -hmm. Anything like that with uh, your stuff? Yeah, I put a lot of references in there that yeah, I don't really write for for kids or, or that's true, you know. things that kids might enjoy. But I, I think there's definitely things in there that, that geeks get that mm -hmm. that sort of ha ha they laugh. I mean, one one thing with my side is there's, there's people that actually believe my stories. Like I sort of write onion type stories for for geeks, and, and I get lots of people that sort of believe the stories, and then I publish those emails, and then all the geeks yeah. laugh at those people that... Didn't you get, like, uh, harassed by something? What was, what was it? I remember this. I can't remember. Well, I, I... You had, like, a big story, and, like, some a lot of people thought it was real. It was, like, about Windows or something, or... Well, I... This this year, I've been contacted by the Department of Homeland Security um, <laughs> because there were iPods, like, exploding, batteries exploding, and so I, I wrote the story that, you know, the... D uh, TSA is no longer allowing iPods on planes because they're explosive devices. And I made a chart, you know, explosive devices. And then I, I posted, you know, it goes up on, at midnight. And then the next morning I had this email in my inbox from, you know, dhs.gov, you know, please contact me regarding your bogus story. And I'm like, 
okay. <laughs> and, and so I, I knew that I was in the right. I mean, it was satire, so I'm protected, but still, if you're on the wrong side of DHS, you know, <laughs> you can still, you know, I'm envisioning body cavity searches, um, you know, every time I go... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No fly. Yeah, no fly. Well, and my wife is Iranian, so that's you know that I've got in, and I've been there, and I've got this Iranian stamp in my passport. So I was like, I'm never gonna get, you know get get through. But but things like that in electronic arts, I you know I said that that's they were what it was, oh they, right, they were merging the uh, Tiger Woods Golf and the uh, Leisure Suit Larry series too, and. <laughs> And so I get a PR guy saying, you know, could you pull down this story? You know, we had some investors that weren't too happy about seeing this. I'm like, you know, so I posted his email, and he wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> but, but, you know, geeks sort of laugh at these people that believe my story. So there's sort of two levels there, the people that sort of read it and find it serious and go, oh, wow, this can't be true, but maybe it is. And then the people that, you know, get to laugh at those guys that actually believed it. So. Well, and I think the stories work because, oh, this probably isn't true, and yet... <laughs> it could be. <laughs> I can see them banning iPods. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get people saying, please stop writing these things because... Yeah, give them ideas. Yeah, give them ideas. And, you, know, yeah. you know, like the exploding CD drives if they get uh, you know, the pirated material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. In my case, I write for me. And it, I, I have people ask, are you writing for kids? Are you writing for adults? Are you writing for... Right for me. Yeah. And hopefully that means that people who their sense of humor at least overlaps with mine will enjoy it. You know, there are some jokes not everybody will get. That's just it's the only thing I can do. You know, I've never set out to deliberately write a book for kids or for this audience or for that audience. I I write the stuff I want to read. And so far that seems to work. And yes, this means I have a 12-year-old sense of humor at times. But I was just about ready to say that. It's like the old saying, Jim, I have the heart of a 12-year-old boy. I keep it in a jar in the bed. Yes. <laughs> it. You know, I don't like the smell. Yeah. So anybody want to say their favorite uh, humorous sci-fi or fantasy author besides Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams? Or... Max Brooks. I was going to throw out Good Omens, which is only oh, half Pratchett. Oh, it's yeah. Half Pratchett yeah. Half <laughs> yeah, I wonder where the funny parts came from. <laughs> <laughs> Gaming has a sense of humor. Yeah. I would say, for me, um, uh, the artist Larry Elmore, he did this comic in the 80s, or Snarf Quest, which was a big influence on Magic of Area. It's a fantasy, goofy stuff, but there's very serious stuff in it, too. And, I mean, he did it for Dragon Magazine. I found a collection of it at a dollar store circa, like, 1989 or something. And, like, you could not, when I was, like, eight or nine years old, you could not pry that book away from me. Like, I read it all the time. Jeff Smith's Bone is another great fantasy. You know, it's funny, but there's very serious stuff, too. Also very influential. Anybody else got some names they want to share with, with other people so they uh, can find? Keith and his uh, Retief series. Uh, that's, that's some of that's very, very funny stuff. Uh, Joan Vasquez is a lot of stuff. Bill Zolio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh,
Todd has been did some funny stuff with his uh, myth series as well. Yeah. He's Anything? Definitely missed him. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm, I thinking. mentioned aspirin. Um, Jim Hines. That's <laughs> my favorite. He should get more credit than he probably is for the funny stuff and, and good elements. I always thought it was more practical. Everyone gave like American Gods and stuff. Even Stardust has some funny stuff. Uh, yeah, there's there's some Stardust. I was like, yeah, because really, I mean, Gaiman does not get enough recognition for his writing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah really. We really should. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, but I mean, there's some jokes another, in. Oh, go ahead. He's another one of those that, damn it, but he really is good, mm-hmm. and he's nice. Yeah. I can't hate him. <laughs> I mean, there's some funny uh, stuff in like Neil Stevenson stuff. That a few jokes here and there. That I, John Moore is a name that comes up a lot, but I haven't read it, so I throw it out there not as a recommendation, but as John Moore writes humor. Chris Moore's another funny guy. You read his book Lamb? That's pretty funny. Oh. That's good. Yes. One. Glenn Cook's uh, metal series, old copper series. Oh yeah, those are pretty funny. Anybody else? Okay. Lots of puns. <laughs> Our puns humor, I guess that's what we should determine first. Yeah, we, we talked about that last year. Whether, whether puns were acceptable uh, humor devices. Yeah, that how could they actually make this Spider Robinson? Yes, yes. Callahan series, yes, definitely. I when they moved to Florida Keys in the last couple of months. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I got nothing. Got nothing. Any other questions? I came here to talk about me, not to talk about other people. So, what was that book you have coming out, Jim? Wait, what's it called? <laughs> it is called Red Batman Quest. Batman Quest. Red Riding Hood. Ninja Assassin. So I can prove to my wife that there's actually people. Came to hear me speak. Hey, kids, look, Danny actually does work. So is, this, is this the part where we thank everyone for coming? Yeah, thank yes. Coming. Thank, thank you for coming. Thank you. I have a This concludes today's episode of the Magic of Airy podcast. Thanks for listening. Come back next week for the next exciting episode of the Magic of Airy, Flight of the Griffin. To learn more about the original novel, visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. Copyright date of this episode was May 9th, 2010. This episode is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 license. Feel free to share this episode.